to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I want to preach for a few minutes this morning. And uh, I've, I've learned through the years that sometimes the best thing to do is set the table. So I'm going to set the table this morning. I've got a revivalistic camp meeting style, if that means anything to you, message today. So I'm going to preach like my coattails are on fire. I don't even have coattails on right now. And I'm just going to preach. Now, if y'all don't help me, I'll preach all by myself. But if y'all want to get with me, you're in Pentecostal church. You can help me out. But I don't care either way. I had the Lord do something that I don't know if he's ever done with me before. But he gave me the title of the message before he gave me my message. He gave me the title and I said, God, that's a cool title. What do you do when you don't know what to do? I said, but I got to have a scripture. The Lord said, go get your Bible. You know where it's at. So I got in the Bible and I kept thinking, when you don't know what to do, what you and I just kept thinking and I... I went over to Second Chronicles chapter 20 and I found it. And the Lord said, there it is. That's what I want you to preach. So I know that 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 somebody in this house needs to hear this today. Somebody watching online needs to hear this today. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, today we're going to find out. And I believe with all my heart, it happened in the first service, it's going to happen in this service. God is going to give some people some victory and some hope. And I want you to leave this house today saying, I'm encouraged in the Lord that everything's going to be all right. Now, I don't know what you're going through, but it's all right. God is greater and everything's going to be all right. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20, I want to read a little bit of lengthy scripture, but it's okay. We're in church. If you don't do anything else, you ought to read the Bible. Amen. So 2 Chronicles, I'm going to read verses 1 through 12, and then I'm going to skip to verse 22. Here's the story. And it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. One of my favorite names in the Bible. What mother would name her child Jehoshaphat? I don't recommend that to any of you expecting mothers, okay? Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from the sea, beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon, Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And so Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hands is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple 
and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear, and you will save. And now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Now notice verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Look at here. Nor do we know what to do. There it is. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now I want you to go to verse 22. So they get into a battle. And I'm going to preach this in just a minute. Instead of sending out the warriors, Jehoshaphat sends out the praise team. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come up against Judah. And they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to a place over the look, will, overlooking the wilderness, they looked towards the multitude, and instead of seeing a massive army, there were dead bodies falling on the earth. No one had escaped. God gave them victory. Can somebody just shout and clap and praise for the Word of God today? Hallelujah. So I want to preach today. What do you do when you don't know what to do? I don't normally do this, but I want to ask you to do something right now. I want you to bow your heads and I want you to pray with passion and fire that God will do something in this house in the next 20, 30 minutes. Father, I thank you for the privilege to preach and I feel your presence and your anointing is in this place. And I pray right now, God, that you would anoint this atmosphere. I believe you already have. I pray you'll touch everybody from the front to the back, from the left to the right. I pray you'll meet us at our point of needs. I pray you'll give people hope and victory in this house. And when they leave this place. They won't be able to say, I don't know what to do, but they'll leave this place saying, I have a plan in place, a divine plan, and I'm going to put it into motion, and God is going to give me the victory. We thank you for what you're about to do in this house. We're expectant. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody shout amen. I want you to turn to two, three people while you're being seated and say, you better get ready. Something's fixing to happen in this place. When you read the Bible, and you get to 1st and 2nd Kings and 1st and 2nd Chronicles. You start reading about all these kings of Judah and all these kings of Israel. Most of the kings of Israel were bad. Some of the kings of Judah turned out to be bad, but many of them were good. And Jehoshaphat happened to be one of those good kings. He loved God. He served God faithfully. But as we read in this text, during his reign, this great army of Moabites, Ammonites, and Edomites converged upon Jerusalem and upon the people of God to battle them. Now here in a nutshell was their situation. The, the people of Ammon and Moab and, and Edom outnumbered the people of Judah greatly. As a matter of fact, the odds were stacked against Jehoshaphat and the army of Judah. And if you want me to just tell you the situation seemed hopeless, the situation seemed helpless, and defeat seemed inevitable. Now I want to stop right here and I want to connect some dots and I want to connect with you today because it is very 
possible that some of you can relate with this situation. The Bible tells us that the king's heart was struck with fear. The Bible tells us that, that the people of God were overwhelmed and, and, and surely Jehoshaphat said to himself, this is the greatest threat of my life and of my reign. Some of you may be in a situation right now that you have opposing forces working against you. It might be sickness, it might be disease, it might be finances, it might be at your work, it might be the economy, it might be in your marriage, it may be in your family, I don't know the context. But opposing forces are coming against you and you feel like the odds are stacked against you and you feel like that that which is coming against you is superior to you and greater than you and you cannot outthink it. You cannot outspend it. You cannot outmaneuver it. There's no way for you to defeat this. You feel like you're in a hopeless situation. You feel like you're in a helpless situation. You may be a little afraid of this threat and you don't know what to do. You don't have any answers. That's what Jehoshaphat found himself facing. Now he could have done any number of things in response and I thought about this. He could have just surrendered but that would have not been the best answer. They would have become slaves to the Moabites and the Ammonites. He could have called on Egypt and their army to come help him and aligned himself with that nation, but history had shown that they weren't very dependable. He could have taken all the gold in Judah and paid off that army and said, here, we'll give you all the gold if you'll just go away. And sometimes they had done that in the past with the kings of Israel. The problem is that army always came back. There was, those really weren't solutions. There was no guarantees that these could work. So the Bible says Jehoshaphat did the best thing that any child of God can do when facing overwhelming circumstances. The Bible said he set his face to seek the Lord. In other words, he turned to God for help. We would say he put it in the Lord's hands. And I just want to tell you, that's one of the best things you could ever do. As a matter of fact, it is the best thing you can do when you are faced with a circumstance that is beyond the scope of your ability to deal with it. And I want us to look at this story because Jehoshaphat made several vital decisions that turned around his situation. The first thing that he did was he fasted. He, he proclaimed a fast in Judah. Now, I would dare say that many of you have fasted before. Maybe some of you have never fasted before. But fasting is simply giving up meals in order to get close to God and seek the face of God for something that you desperately need for Him, from Him. And we have called this church to a fast before. Uh, we do it a lot of times in January just to get closer to the Lord and to start the new year right. But I'll tell you, the, the fast that for me have been the, the most the most authentic fast had been those times in my life when I was facing something so overwhelming, so intense, so deep that I didn't want to eat. I, I didn't have to choose to fast. My appetite was gone. I didn't want to eat. I wanted to give up food. All I wanted really was for God to show up and work in my situation. And I think those are the greatest fasts when you just give up the food and say, I don't care about anything to drink or eat. I need God right now to do something extraordinary in my life. And there is something powerful about fasting. It releases the power of God into your situation. And I don't want you to ever think 
that fasting is some kind of a tool that you use to manipulate God and coerce him into getting what you want. That's not how it works. It is an outward indication of an inward sincerity. Fasting is evidence to God that you are serious about this need in your life and that you need him. And so I just want to tell you today, when you don't know what to do, sometimes you need to fast. Sometimes you need to fast. If you, you, sometimes you have to push back the plate if you want to defeat the devil. Sometimes you have to push back the plate if you want to get out of your spiritual dryness. Sometimes you have to push back the plate to get that answer you're looking for. Sometimes you have to push back the plate to discover God's will. Sometimes you have to push back the plate to get a breakthrough or to get a word from the Lord that speaks directly to your situation. But hear me, brothers and sisters, I'm trying to help y'all today. When you fast, you say to God, more than food, more than drink, I need your power in my life right now. I need your touch in my life right now. And I'm here to tell you today, I don't know how how it works. Sometimes I don't understand why it works. All I know is it does work. And when you push back the plate and fast, God's hand comes into your situation. And the Lord begins to move. And so what do you do when you don't know what to do? I want to tell you to do what Jehoshaphat did, fast and seek the Lord. The second thing he did is he prayed. That doesn't surprise me because most of the time in the Bible, fasting and prayer go together. So when you don't know what to do and you're faced with a threat, pray. Seek the face of God. Now that may just seem like a real obvious answer, but I want us to take it a little deeper. I want us to look at what Jehoshaphat actually prayed because there is a lot of help in these verses. The first thing is he said in verse 12, we have no power. We have no power. We have no ability, no means to deal with this threat. And he said, nor do we know what to do. And so I'm just going to say again, there will be times in your life when you don't know what to do. So when those times come, what will you do? What do you do when you don't know what to do? Pray like Jehoshaphat prayed. Here's what he said in verse 7. He reminded God of the victories God had given them in the past. He, went, he took a trip down memory lane and he said, God, when we needed you in times past and we prayed, you showed up and you defeated our enemies and you gave our armies victory. And basically what Jehoshaphat was saying is you did it before, I believe you'll do it again. I've seen you do it again. You make a way. We sing that sometimes, don't we? I believe that he will do it. We've been seeing that. That's what I'm preaching right now. That sometimes when you don't know what to do, you take a trip down memory lane and you start thinking about God and how he came through for you in the past. That's why when you're in a situation where you don't know what to do, get to church. Because you hear sermons like these, messages like these, where we take these stories of the Bible and we preach on them and we talk about what God did for the people of God and then your faith rises up and you begin to say, well, if he did it for Jehoshaphat, he'll do it for me. And I'm going to tell you something that's really powerful and hopefully I can help some people right here. Not only do you need to get to church and, and hear the stories, but you need to be around people that will help to remind you of how God did it before and he'll do it again. Now, sometimes you're gonna get around some people when you're going through your crisis and they're like Job's friends. <laughs> 
They're, they're telling you how bad it is and how bad it's looking for you. And man, you just, you're like, get away from me. You don't want those people in your life. You want people that will encourage you. And you know, I think that should be your spouse. I think your spouse should be somebody. And I can tell you from 33 years of Lee and I being married together, there have been times when one or the other of us got down because of a circumstance, got low, our faith got low, we were struggling, we would start sharing that with each other. And I can't tell you the times where either Leah would do it to me or I would do it with her, that one of us would say, honey, I know it's bad, but listen, hasn't God always come through for us? Hasn't God always taken care of us? We've never gone hungry. We never got to where we couldn't pay a bill. God always answered our prayer. If he did it before, don't you think he'll do it again? And so husbands, wise, I just want to encourage you to be encouragers to one another. When you face those crises in your life, don't, don't beat each other down, but instead encourage one another in the Lord. And just remember, if he did it before, he can do it again. That's faith. So when you're faced with a crisis fast, when you don't know what to do, pray. And, and when you pray, go down memory lane and remember what God did for you before. Second, he prayed the word. This is in verses eight and nine. He prayed the word and he fell back on the promises of God to his people and he made up his mind to believe that what God said he would do, he would do. Now, I, 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 don't, I don't expect you to know this, you might, but I actually went back and looked at it when he was praying in Second Chronicles 20, he actually was praying and quoting from Second Chronicles chapter 6. At the dedication of the temple, Solomon was praying. I don't know how many years back this was. Uh, many, many years. And Solomon was praying, and he prayed and, and, and said what King Jehoshaphat prayed. So that prayer that Solomon prayed became the Bible. It became the word of the Lord. And it was the word of the Lord that when the enemies came or pestilence came or plagues came, whatever famine came, that if they would go to that temple and cry out to God, that God would come and he would help them. And so it's interesting that Jehoshaphat is now repeating the word. He's reminding God what he said, his promise. And he said, this is what Solomon prayed. This is a commitment you made to us, God. This is your word and I'm claiming your word. I'm, I'm taking you up on this, God, that if you said you would do that, we're standing here, we're praying. We need you to show up and do what you said you would do. And that's why, listen to me, it sounds so elementary, especially coming from a preacher and a pastor, but you gotta hear me today. When you're in a place where you're going through a crisis and a threat and you don't know what to do, get in your Bible and read your Bible. That's how God speaks to you. You will get wisdom. You will get direction. You will get encouragement. You will, you will see things that you never saw before. And as you read, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And as you read the word, your faith will rise. Your confidence in God will rise. You'll say, hey, I believe God's going to help me. I know things are bad, but I'm just, I just got this sense now that God is going to move. I'm trusting God. Then the next thing he did is in verse six, he prayed and in his prayer, he recognizes the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God, that he's the king. Old Jeho Jehoshaphat said in essence, I may be the king of Judah, but you the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You are in charge. You are large and in charge, as one person said. You are God. You are the, the great king. 
And Jehoshaphat recognized that in spite of the intensity of his situation, in spite of the desperation of his situation, listen to me, God was in control. And I'm going to preach here in just a second, but let me tell you something that I learned when I was a youth pastor at Praise Cathedral Church, the church that planted this church. This church came out of that church over 22 and a half years ago. There was something in their DNA there that Bobby Johnson had instilled in the DNA of that church, and I carry that over here, and I'm trying to continue that in our DNA. When we faced a trial, when we faced a conflict, when our people were going through difficult times, it wasn't just the pastor's said this the people of the church would say this to one another they would look at him and say hey I'm sorry that you're going through a tough time but listen to me I got good news God is still in control God is in control that one phrase will get you through the worst trials the worst troubles because when everybody else is failing you and everything else is disappointing you and resources are being depleted God will not fail you and God will not disappoint you and you will never deplete the power of almighty God he is still in charge and he is still in control so listen to me you may have to come to the realization that you cannot control everything that happens to you in life And some of us have a little tougher time with this than others, a.k.a. control freaks. Don't any women bump your husband right now or husbands nudge your wife, but you're used to being in charge and you're used to fixing everything. Let me tell you something. Sometimes you don't have the answers. Sometimes you can't fix the problem. Sometimes your challenge is too big for you to handle. So listen to me. You will encounter people and diseases and demons and problems and threats and crises that will be beyond the power of the police and the preachers and the politicians and the doctors and the attorneys and the bankers and the school teachers and the employers and the parents. You say, then, Pastor, what do I do? Here's what you do. You open up the Bible and you read the blessed truth that when you're not in control and you feel out of control, that doesn't change the fact that God is still in control. He still sits on the throne. He still has all power in heaven and on earth. He is El Shaddai, God Almighty. No one or no thing is too difficult for him to handle. So whatever you're going through, listen to me, God is big enough to take care of it. I wish somebody just give that God praise in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He can handle it. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You you just remember, recognize that God is sovereign. And then here's the last thing that we learn from Jehoshaphat. What do you do when you don't know what to do in your crisis? He praised the Lord. He praised the Lord. After he prayed, the prophet Jehaziel gave a word from the Lord. It went like this. Don't be afraid of this massive army. You won't have to fight this enemy. and You won't have to fix this problem. I'm going to do it for you. And this is one of the greatest lines in the Bible. For the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's. And I'll tell you, sometimes we fight. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the anointing to preach right now. Sometimes we fight and we wrestle. 
and we get weary and we get worn down and we fret and we're beaten down and the devil, that's when the devil will come in and try to tell you things and he'll knock you down even further and set up strongholds in your mind. But listen, the liberation from that and to get how to get the victory of that is to just go back to that verse and say, hey, the battle is not mine. I don't have to fight this thing. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to come up with a solution. I don't have to find the, the answer. The battle is not mine. The battle is the Lord's. I don't have the power, but he does. I don't have the ability, but he does. I don't have the answers, but he does. I don't have the solutions, but he does. I don't have the resources, but he does. I can't change my son's or daughter's mind, but he can. I can't fix my marriage, but he can. I I can't change the economy, but he can. I I can't do anything right now about my finances, but he can. Are you hearing me this morning? You have to just say God is in control and the battle is not mine. The battle belongs to the Lord. He's going to handle this for me. And that word got into the people's spirits and in the middle of their crisis and in the middle of their dilemma, the Bible says they worshiped the Lord. And it's interesting because some of them went into worship mode. And it's amazing, a lot of people usually lean one way or the other. In this church, if we took a survey, some of you love to worship. The Bible says that many of them bow down before the Lord. Some of you like to turn on that soft praise music, worship music, and you like to get in your prayer closet, and you like to raise your hands and cry and just love on the Lord. And a lot of you, when we're in service, you love the worship aspect of our service, and that's wonderful. We ought to worship the Lord. We ought to worship Him in spirit and truth. But that day, they're all, the Bible also says, and I didn't say this, but there must have been some Pentecostal folks in that crowd. Because the Bible says there was another crowd that day that raised their voices loud and high, and that's what Pentecostals do. We get loud and we get high, and the Bible says they praise the Lord. So you had some people shouting and whooping and hollering and praising. You had other people crying and weeping and bowing and worshiping. But here's the thing. They just praise the Lord in the midst of their crisis. Now listen to me. Did you know that one of the best ways to get the victory is to praise God before the battle and in the midst of the battle. See, anybody can praise him on the mountaintop. Anybody can praise him when the sun's shining. Anybody can praise him when there's more money than there is month. Anybody can praise him when the devil's been defeated. Anybody can praise him when your marriage is good. Anybody can praise him when your kids are behaving. Anybody can praise him when the economy's rocking. Anybody can praise him when the stock market's doing great, but let the stock market go down and let your kids give you trouble. Start having problems in your marriage. Let the economy go south and they start talking about inflation and the devil's breathing down the back of your neck. Can you still praise him? That's what I'm telling you today when you don't know what to do and you don't feel like doing it you just praise him anyhow and you give him praise and you give him glory before the battle and even in the middle of the battle you don't wait till the victory comes because this is a powerful act of faith that says God I'm trusting you and here's what happened the next day the army of Judah lined up for battle and the warriors didn't go first the worship team was on the front line They didn't have people out there with swords and shields and spears. They had praise team members. Scrawny little skinny praise team members. Out of shape praise team members. I don't know, I'm just trying to show the difference between that and a big warrior. Praise team members. Couldn't couldn't hit broadside of a barn with a bow and arrow, but they they could hit a high G, A flat when they're singing. He puts them out in the front and the praise team members get out there in the front lines facing the enemy 
warriors with weapons. And Jehoshaphat said, when you get out there, I want you to sing and shout and praise the Lord. And so they did. And the Bible says they got out there with songs of adoration and praise. And they said, praise the Lord. Mm, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. One of them looked at the other and said, praise the Lord. Somebody help me. Praise the Lord. Hey, warriors back, back there behind me. Can anybody help me? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because hallelujah means praise. They're singing and praising the Lord. Now, I'm singing the black style because that's the way I like singing. If they were Southern gospel, then they sing it Southern gospel. The way like some of y'all like it, but I'm not going to try to do Southern gospel. But they're saying, now can you imagine the army of the Ammonites, Moabites, and Edomites? They're all lined up, ready to, ready to charge, ready for Judah to charge. And they got a bunch of praise team members out there going, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Anybody in the Ammonite camp? What? No, y'all don't because y'all reprobates. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If, if they had the drums and the bass, they start churching. They're just praising the Lord. Now, if you want to preach your sermon, you preach it the way you want to preach it. I'm going to preach it the way I want to preach it. I don't know what how they did it, but they praised the Lord. You imagine Ammonites, Moabites, look at you. They sent the lunatics out. The lunatics are out on the front line. What are they doing? They sent the crazy people out, but they praise it. Listen. When thing, I'm going to preach right now. When things are getting rough in your life, praise him. When you're walking through the fire, praise him. When the devil's breathing down the back of your neck, praise him. When it feels like everyone is against you, praise him. When it seems like the bad is stronger than the good and the wrong is overwhelming the right, Praise Him. When there's more bad news than there is good news, praise Him. When you're down to the wire, praise Him. When the walls are closing in and you're running out of time, praise Him. Now listen, you may not feel like it. Praise Him anyhow. It may make no sense to you. Praise Him anyhow. The devil's telling you not to do it, but praise Him anyhow. Why? Because the victory's coming. The answer is coming. The breakthrough is coming. Deliverance is coming. Healing is coming. The miracle is coming. Come on, somebody. He's making a way where there is no way. He's keeping His promise. He's tearing down the strongholds. He's opening up the windows of heaven. He's turning things around. He's changing people's minds for your benefit. He's giving you faith. Favor. Just praise him and watch as God begins to work in your life. I wish somebody just praise him right now in this house. Come on, I wish somebody praise. Somebody stand up right now in this house and praise him. Come on, you may be in the middle of a battle. Praise him. Magnify him. Shout hallelujah. Shout glory. Say thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Lord. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. Hallelujah. Woo. How many believe God will do it? Just remain on your feet. The people fasted. They prayed. They worshiped. They trusted God.
and God gave them the victory. Watch this. The unexpected happened. The unexpected happened. Did you hear me? Now, the Bible doesn't say how it happens, so I get to use my imagination and fill in the blanks. They lined up over there watching those crazy praise team members sing. And somebody in the Mount Seer camp looked over somebody in the Moabite camp said, whew, that's a bunch of racket. That's a bunch of noise. That's terrible. That sounded like something your mama would sing like and sound like when she sang. Somebody on the Mount Seer camp said something about somebody's mama in the Moabite camp. Now you preach it the way you want to preach it, I'm going to preach it the way I want to preach it. And the Moabite man said, what did you just say to me? Oh, you heard me. I said, they sing as bad as your mama. Well, then he said something about his mama. Oh, and it was on. They got nose to nose. One of them pushed the other one. The other pushed back. Well, then his buddy came in and said, you ain't going to push my friend. He pushed him. Well, then his best friend came over and said, you're not going to push my friend. And the next thing you know, they're pushing and shoving, and they pull out the swords, and the Moabites and the Ammonites killed all the Mount Seer people. Meanwhile, the army of Judah's Judah's watching the whole thing, and the people are saying, praise the Lord. (laughs) Woo! And they're out there killing each other. Hey, praise. See, while you're praising him, God's working. Woo, I feel that Holy Ghost jerk getting all over me. Why are you praising him? God's working. They got, feel, few, got, got finished killing all those Mount Seer people. And the Moabites and Ammonites, they high-fiving each other. And I don't know what happened. Something happened. Maybe they got to arguing over the spoil. Now, now they're robbing their own people, their own allies. Maybe one of them said something about his mama. But that's how I'm going to preach it. One of the Ammonite people, he said something about a Moabite's mama. He said, don't you talk about my mama. He said, I'm going to talk about your mama and your grandmama. Oh, don't talk about your grandmama. They got nose to nose. They start pushing each other. The best friends got involved. Whole regiments got involved. Next thing you know, everybody's got swords out, and they're hacking. They're cutting each other. They're fighting each other. Unexpected. Nobody saw this coming. They're killing each other. Meanwhile, the praise is going, praise the Lord. Boom, boom, praise the Lord. Woo! For his mercy endures forever, ever. Praise the Lord. Woo! They're over there shouting, and the Ammonites and Moabites are killing each other. It was unexpected. (laughs) Let me tell you something that ought to help you when you don't know what to do. The God you serve is the God on the unexpected victory. I might need to say that again because I might have flew over your head. The God that you serve, the Jesus that lives in your heart, the God of this Bible is the God of unexpected victory. I went back and thought in the Bible. Here's Moses and Israelites at the Red Sea. Don't know what to do. Pharaoh bearing down on them. And God parted the waters of the Red Sea. Moses shook his head and said, Whoo, I didn't see that coming. Joshua and the people of Israel marched around the walls of Jericho, and all of a sudden the walls fall flat. And Joshua looked at his, his one of his lieutenants and said, Whoo, I didn't see that coming. David goes out in the field with a stone and a sling against a nine-foot giant. 
and throws that thing and like a guided missile it hits him right in the forehead and takes him out and God gives him victory and old King Saul standing on the hill watching the thing and he looked at one of his lieutenants and said did you just see that I didn't see that coming but all oh, the greatest example is in the Bible <laughs> He's on that Easter Sunday morning when Jesus came out of that tomb in resurrection power, overcoming sin and death. The devil looked at all the minions of hell and said, whoa, I didn't see that coming. And God gave us victory. I'm telling you, you may not see it. You may not know it, but God is working in your life. And there's an unexpected breakthrough and victory just around the corner waiting on you. <laughs> you may not know how he's going to do it, you may not know when he's going to do it. You may not know who he's going to do it through, but that doesn't matter. You just know that he's going to do it because the battle is not yours and the battle is the Lord. So what do I do, Pastor? You fast. You pray. You seek the Lord. You praise. You think back what he's done and take a trip down memory lane. You look at God and say, God is still in charge. God is still on the throne. And then you just wait on the Lord and God will give you the victory. I mean it with all my heart. Come on, give him praise this morning. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.